1890, and the citizens of Boston are beginning to go missing in the fog. Police are confused, the public is frightened, and the city is on the edge of hysteria. It's up to the mysterious Smith, inventor and adventurer, to figure out what's going on with the help of his assistant, April Malone. We'll have to face off against the secret society, corrupt policemen, and a mad psychologist hell-bent on dissecting Smith in order to solve the mystery of what's going on and to save the city from a more sinister threat. It's the chronological man, the monster in the mist, a fast-paced 45,000-word tale of science adventure, written by Andrew Maine. And it's available to you for only a dollar on the Amazon Kindle store. Download it on your Kindle, iPad, or any major phone, including iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, and Windows 7. Either way, don't miss the chronological man, the monster in the mist, available for only a dollar. Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Weird Things. This is a very special edition. I'm Andrew Maine, being joined as usual by Mr. Brian Brushwood. Hello, Andrew. Hello there, sir. Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hi. And a very, very special guest. Which we don't have any have special guests. guests here. We don't. I know. It makes it special. Yeah, well, we should point out it's a returning guest because he was there for our Weird Things Live Investigates hunting yeah. the Night Creeper. Well, I mean, he, he's, he's a, he is a blood brother in the Weird Things family for sure. By which we mean we threw blood on him once and laughed. Yes. yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Merritt. Welcome, Tom Merritt. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, Brett the Amtrak around Seville. How are you doing, oh, Brett? Hey, howdy, hey, gang. Oh, it's Brett. Oh, hey, Brett. Uh, oh, just Brett. <laughs> you guys are like, Brian, you know, I thought we agreed. You said you could get Tom Merritt. <laughs> you know when I said special guest, what I meant was, meh, we got the guy from Ordinary Stuff, and he came around. <laughs> Ordinary <laughs> Stuff. It's the podcast I do that you guys aren't privy to. Or, ordinary <laughs> stuff. <laughs> See not, what I did not there? A big, not a big listenership. See what I did there? Ordinary, ordinary stuff. stuff. Huh? Weird uh, things. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> I, okay. I really didn't get that. I, I, I like, didn't get that either. I was like, Brett, oh, wow, I didn't know you were doing a podcast. I got a ordinary stuff. stuff. Are you sure there's a market for ordinary <laughs> stuff? It seems like you should <laughs> spice things up, like maybe odd items. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'm make like it somehow, going, like, I don't know, okay, what's the like word? A how Stranger. it's made kind of thing? Like pudding. <laughs> Today I'm going to talk about pudding. I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of selling myself on this idea. Y'all ever seen ordinary stuff? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you say when you're stone sober. <laughs> yes, I've just said that right now, and I haven't had but a but a sip of alcohol. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's get down to brass tacks, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I always love that phrase, and I never understood it. But let's yeah, let's get down to those brass tacks. I, I think, always didn't know whether or not they were like physical, like they were like thumbtacks, or it was a tax, like a a, a fee levied on brass. <laughs> you beat me to that oh, same actually, joke. I thought the same thing. It's really I, weird I, that you guys my, bring in up. In my mind, it was like in like in the Navy when you had to scrub stuff to get to the point where you could actually see the tax were brass. I, I think wow. it's actually really That's weird. That's way that you guys more thinking than I ever about <laughs> Because if we go back to uh, episode twelve of ordinary things, ordinary <laughs> stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> we actually delve into brass tacks pretty thoroughly. Right. There you go. <laughs> All right. Very dull. Right now, as we sit here, I presume we're sitting, and, and uh, we know that Brett's over at Brian, so Brett could be conceivably sitting in Brian's lap. For all we know, it's not our business. Yes. Theater of the mind. Let's go ahead Theater and run with mind. that. Yes. Okay. Why not? Brett. Ah, as Brad Roundsville titters on the lap of Brian Brushwood. Reaches <laughs> over. Sort of weird things. We do sound effects. his stubbly beard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just, just giving some fuel to the imagination. <laughs> so, a <laughs> little bit of static over the Skype line. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Paint a picture in your mind. Uh, let me go through my Rolodex here and select a weird thing scenario. <laughs> well, there we go. Found one. That would be great. We should do a themed episode for, for uh, Halloween or for uh, – uh, I was going to say New Year's, but I meant April Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Brian. We need to answer the door. <laughs> oh, weird things. Anyhow, as we sit here, gentlemen, everybody, look up. Look up. I'm looking up. All right, what do you see? Uh, uh, I see, see my ceiling. We got a fan. fan. Got yeah. Look lights. beyond. Look beyond. Stars. Uh, All right. Stucco. Look a little bit. Not look a little. Look low Earth orbit. <laughs> Satell- satellites and space debris. I and? definitely don't see that through Brian's roof. I don't know what he's looking uh, at. And uh, occasionally, the of an off the books Chinese space exploration experiment <laughs> involving apes. Yes. Paint, paint flex. We got right now. How often we'll be able to say. As the space shuttle orbits. <gasps> this is the last time. Unless some gazillionaire a decade or so from now gets a bunch of giggles like, oh, I'm going to go, buy, I'm going to buy one of these from the, you know, the Army Navy surplus store and put it on the back <laughs> of a rocket and put it up there again. You know, like, like, you know, Shriners driving little Model T cars or something. I don't know. Uh, so, but I tell you what, though, I, I mean, if, if we do get to that point, we have the crazy billionaires out there. Uh, I don't know that they'll feel sa- – I mean, we, I'm assuming we'll have safer alternatives. And they'd be like, like, are you crazy, man? There's only a 99% probability you'll make it back. Why would you get in, the, in that shuttle? <laughs> Space travel actually gets so cheap that it's not a crazy billionaire. It's a guy that got a two-for-one deal on shuttles at the Army <laughs> Navy. <Yeah. laughs> He's like, well, He's like, listen, all right. If you buy the extra pair of Timberlands, we'll throw in the shuttle. <laughs> Which one, the Endeavor or Atlantis? Because I don't want the Endeavor. It's like, listen, you're breaking my balls here, guy. All right, you're going to buy the shoes or not. <laughs> What's in the coffee can over there? Challenger. Oh, wrong. 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 Too, Too soon. soon. Too soon. Wrong. So it's that's the last time, last shuttle mission right now. When that lands, when the space shuttle lands at this moment in time, the United States itself will not have a method to get a person into space. We will not have an active program for putting people into space. Let, let me tell you, man, I would have gotten super, super misty-eyed over this whole thing, and I have such an affinity for this shuttle program, maybe because I, you know, just, I remember hearing about the, the first shuttles when, you know, when they went up, and of course I remember seeing the Challenger disaster and all these things. Uh, same thing with, with Columbia as well. Um, but I, let me tell you, you have infected me with SpaceX fever. I'm just like, good riddance, uh, SpaceX will be safer and one-third the cost, two-thirds off. And say, and uh, I'm so excited about, about the possibility of privatized space travel. And it's your I, fault, Maine. Well, he, but here's the thing. Like, I, I've, I've got the SpaceX bug. Absolutely. They just broke ground on a launch pad at Vandenberg Air Force Base. But the thing that does give me a sort of a kind of a bit of melancholy is the idea that there is this gap between when SpaceX can put people in orbit and the idea that right now we don't – the United States, you know, China can put people into orbit. 
Russia can put people into orbit. United States, no can do. No, wait. We don't even have You're looking no at this all orbit. wrong. SpaceX is, is an American company located in America, which means we can put three times as many things into no, space oh. as we could. Yeah, well, but, no, I think but like right now there's just a soft, mushy middle between when NASA is doing it currently and when SpaceX will be able to. Oh, do you're it. talking about this exactly. very minute, yeah. yeah? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's I, I listen. You know, like you know, I, I, the Air Force has that cool unmanned thing that they can fly up there. They can put satellites up there. And so we have space capabilities, but it is that kind of that is I you know one I realize a lot because I'm super excited about SpaceX and that's the future. I mean, for me, the space age really didn't begin with Sputnik. It began with tele- Star. The first time we put up a satellite, a commercial satellite for doing communication, because that meant it made sense for space. Space made money. Space was economically viable. You didn't have to explain to people why they should put money into space. You could sit down on a spreadsheet and say, you put this here. This is the return. Right. And that's what we're hoping to see with Mm -hmm. with lunar mining and helium three. Right. Possibly. Possibly. So that special helium four they don't talk about. <laughs> the government doesn't want you to know about helium five, six, and seven. I've talked about this before. I'm I'm utterly convinced that, you know, and, and this is not a radical idea, that you know, we're at the beginning of human history, not the middle or the end, and that human history is gonna be out in space. But I think that, you know, we have this well, Justin and I were talking about this the other day. We have this sort of idea that like, all right, first the moon, then Mars, then we find out how to go magically to other planets you know using magical warp drive and i'm thinking you know what right now as we speak we've got spatial up in orbit we've got an we've got a satellite in orbit around the asteroid vesta which is actually like a planetoid the thing's like 520 kilometers across which is a little planetoid that's pretty amazing i'll tell you what i've been thinking about this randomly lately and i think i'm becoming convinced that it won't be humans that spread throughout the universe. It'll be our children, uh, i.e. intelligent robots. Just because once we once we crack the nut of artificial intelligence and problem solving and self-replication, they've got the ability. To, to them, a thousand years is like whatevs. Well, I guess right. if it takes us a thousand years to get over there, that's how long it takes. Whereas, like, you know, our soft, mushy wetware is it's going to be a problem you know maybe we'll do some kind of brain in a jar hybrid deal but it's like i'm i'm not convinced people in our shaved ape bodies are going to make it outside of this solar system i just kind of think though that the further we get out and the more that we kind of develop artificial intelligence that like i I don't even know if it, it is on divergent paths necessarily that we don't start building in these elements of artificial intelligence into our own biological selves that that line starts to get fuzzy you know that that our that our children are like you know that our children metaphorically like you explained it are could literally be our children physically you know as as this becomes more of a reality and let me let me present sort of i I think that we always focus on this idea of what the future is supposed to be and we forget the the what happens in between there is often more interesting and imagine you know right now the asteroid belt you start taking all that, you know, all the matter in the asteroid belt. Instead of trying to colonize or terraform Mars, which I don't think we'll ever do because we can't even build windmills on the Mojave Desert, I think what's going to happen is we're going to start taking asteroid belt material and start making, you know, huge orbitals, huge, you know, space spinning space stations with artificial gravity because they rotate and start building space habitats. That and we've talked about this before. Hollow Earth, basically, little little planetoids yeah. spinning outwards yeah, exactly. where the gravity is generated. Yeah, if you took all of the matter between there and then the Oort cloud and the Kuiper belt, now we're getting like a, you know a light year away from Earth. 
you have a million Earths worth of surface area. So there's a million Earths between us within our own solar system of surface area for us to create without ever setting foot on a planet. And let me tell you, there are people who find that idea repugnant of living inside a rock, but those same people say, well, that's vile. I'd never want to live like that, as they sit in their (laughs) high-rise apartment in the middle of Manhattan. Exactly. And, you know, sneering at anyone who goes to upstate New York. And they wouldn't yeah. look like rocks. Well, who's either. saying that though? Like, well, is there I mean, really like a, his a, a name, snide class of the upper crust? Yes, his uh, name uh, is I, Imaginarius. I them. His I name is. Fail- I think it's a failure of the imagination too, though. And that you could, you could, you can using today's engineering, imagining if, today's engineering, but with you know trillions of dollars of money, you could create habitats that wouldn't look like you're living inside of a rock. They would look like, you know, you're inside of, you know, either, you know, large spinning rings where you look up and you have sky and you have clouds and you have mountains. There's a lot of ways you could, it would look very much like you live on earth. Well, sure. And in fact, we're seeing uh, the technology. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever stayed in a boat or a trailer. I mean, we are so clever with our use of Mm -hmm. space to make a very small area feel very, very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Are you guys, do you guys all know about the seastead movement? These people going out living it. I know a couple of the people involved with that. No. Uh, well, okay, Brett hasn't. Explain to Brett what the idea is, because I think this is an amazing idea, and, and technologically, this is a nightmare, but if they pull it off, what an amazing concept. It's a bunch of hippie libertarians. <laughs> Which sounds like a the contradiction already. Well, it, it's basically, you know, trying to build, you know, basically go out at sea and build artificial islands or to build sort of a, you know, kind of an art, kind of a whole whole nation unto itself, in a sense. A floating so with- Nation. With the idea that mm-hmm. this is international water, so whatever they happen to stake their claim, uh, like, are they literally staking out like a latitude and longitude? Well, yeah, the, or are I they believe, trying I believe to they, maintain a position. They, they float, but I yeah. believe they're anchored, so they they're like, this mm-hmm. is our area, and and this is where we're hanging out. Well, so it's not enough for them that they're platforms. outside of someone that else's boundaries. Platform. They need to create their own boundaries. Well, no. there was like there was like freedom ship, which and that freedom ship was going to be the one where they would they would fly whatever country. You know, flags, they would be under kind of like, you know, international law. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, one of the big people with Seastead is actually uh, uh, Milton Friedman's grandson. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. And and in fact, uh, a big investor uh, is uh, the guy, uh, PayPal guy. I'm spacing on his Peter name. Peter Thiel. Yes, yes, yes. The other PayPal guy. One of the other PayPal guys. One of the guys. PayPal guys. One of the, guys. One of the, other what PayPal, are the guys. PayPal money is going towards crazy experiments that will be incredibly important to when we all move to asteroids down the road. And I think that's awesome. Well, because I think, you know, you're not moving to asteroids. I mean, think of how we would look at islands, in a society where we weren't able to easily wire up stuff and create, you know, uh, you know, massive water and reservoir systems, you know, yeah, like going think, to like, an island on Earth, would you go out to this desolate hell where you are cut off from all civilization, which gives us life, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was a punishment. Like, it was called, exile. You mean Las Vegas? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like uh, we, you know, there's there's a history as far as we've been as long as we've been expanding that we look at things. They're like, this blows goats. And then all of a sudden, we put a bunch of really cool stuff there, and then we're like, I need to be there. All of a sudden, we had hookers and gambling. (laughs) And like, you know, we live in, you know, like, Justin and I live in Florida. Justin and I live in Florida, and that was made possible. It was a malaria ridden swamp, still is, well, swamp, but because of air conditioning. Yeah. You know, it's air conditioning single handedly cured malaria. (laughs) 
Gold mosquitoes don't bite, Brett. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gold mosquitoes, they don't get all uppity. They don't spread the malarious. They're like, just give me another apple teeny, please. But but all seriously, like air conditioning just radically changed the whole landscape and where we what we considered livable. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Look, at, look at the if all of a sudden Andrew Maine's spinning pleasure planetoid, yes. uh, you know, is just is just you know a a, 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 a bacchanalia of of carnal delights. <laughs> I right? really like that. Thinks the step from this blows goats. One step up is how much does it cost for me to be able to blow a goat? <laughs> <laughs> so. I got a question for you guys, because uh, I think the big question is connectivity is a big part of what's important to us. Which would you rather do? Would you rather live here in America as it was in, we'll say, 1983, by which I mean all of a sudden a solar storm rips out the Internet, essentially, and uh-huh. and, and breaks down, you know. So it's, uh-huh. it's, okay, a, it's, go ahead. It's only hardline communication, uh-huh. <laughs> long-distance uh-huh. phone calls. <laughs> It's a ghost story. <laughs> when I was a kid, long distance phone calls cost 80 cents a minute. <laughs> but would you rather live like that but be here on Mother Earth where you got a beautiful blue sky above you or live on an asteroid where you are connected to 5 billion other souls? You've got unlimited World of Warcraft. Uh, you've got you know Star Wars The Old Republic coming out any minute now. You're super excited about all the – you are connected in all the ways that we enjoy connectivity. <laughs> Nobody, how many other people are up on the asteroid? Uh, but there are 5 billion people in asteroids throughout, but, and you're and, all and connected. Nobody will, and still nobody will judge me for my Jennifer Jason Lee fascination? Uh, no, as long as you keep <laughs> it behind the firewall, bro. You don't need to share that out in public. I think um, that's – well, how, how many people are, are on my asteroid? Uh, on your physical asteroid, yeah. you and one other guy, uh, and he's a jerk. We'll say we'll say there's thirty, maybe forty thousand people on your asteroid. Okay, and but, can but I get you could take a shuttle. Like you could take a shuttle to the next asteroid over. Let's say it's why you know, is this even a conversation? Who on Earth would want to live in 1980? Exactly, people on Earth. <laughs> well, because Earthies would be like, I don't want that, and we'd be like flipping them off because we're like up in the sky. That, but, but, so the flip side is okay. So to the people on Earth, they have beautiful blue skies. They got green grass as far as the eye can see. They could run. They could they could go hiking in mountains. They can camp. They can see bears. They will live a life while they were look at bears. Whereas those people in the asteroids, they're locked up in tin cans playing their virtual video oh, games. They've gone pale. Oh, but Brian, but Brian, why? That's don't why we there's. Have, we, that's why all of those asteroids have mystic tanners. Yeah, we could we could yeah. we could build asteroids that have Yellowstone Park ecosystems. Yeah, I mean, think, let's for our audience, like you know, we're all up, kind of up on the sci-fi, but let's give our audience sort of a taste of what you could have. You could either have these asteroids that are these hundred kilometer long tubes that are like you know fifty kilometers wide that spin, so it's kind of like a hollow Earth where you have you could have as much land area as Great Britain. Okay, wow. You could have you could have another version is to have a ring, not not a ring around the sun, but actually just like a giant ring that rotates and the walls are high enough that you would have an atmosphere would stay within that ring. Okay? And so you could have a ring that could be a thousand miles around, could be, you know, a hundred miles in either direction, whatever. You could make these rings they could be huge. And you know, we're getting into huge level engineering. So when you talk about it's not like you're living in a mine, you know, with a bunch of Chilean dudes, okay? I mean you're literally Unless that's your choice. You're I mean, literally talking about like, the only people that live in mines. <laughs> the Chileans, they're like, I thought it was the 21st century and we were trapped here. <laughs> exactly. We flew up there is a purpose. certain contingent of our listenership that would be very excited about living in a mine with a bunch of Chileans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's that's the idea. So you look up, you would see clouds. You look far to the, you look off far, and there might be mountains you could go walk to. 
You know, if you stand like I was, I'm an idiot. I'm not. A, I'm a nerd. I get. We know this. Okay. I literally the other day I was going for a walk, and I stopped to look. There was this big, huge garbage mountain that's like covered in grass. They just put a Hollywood sign on for a movie. <laughs> oh, did and they I, really? Did, that was for a movie because you were yeah, trying to figure out. Ages, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you you were like, uh, I remember you tweeting out like, why are they putting a Hollywood sign <laughs> on the garbage dump? <laughs> yeah, like, for my own, I mean, for my own amusement. Because we're the movie stars of trash. <laughs> am, I'm looking out there. and I'm going, you know, that's, if I was on. If, like Brian, you were just describing. If I was on a hollowed out asteroid, and I was because I, you know, I, I think about this all the time. I go up Wolf on Alpha to figure out like how if I wanted to convert Vesta into living space. Okay, I'm looking out there, going, okay, how far away is that? Because if I if I lived in a space where I could, I you know, I looked out there and I saw that there to one side and to the other side because I'm in a park where it's got a lake, walking paths, and that went on for like 30 miles in either direction. It was only like a mile and a half away, and it looked far. I guess so so you, like, you can so get that feeling of scope and scale, and I guess if you really want yeah. to have your mind blown, then you just put on a helmet and you step on, outside, and then you're like, oh, wait, my whole concept of where we are is yeah. off base. Yeah, go to Brian's big Texas asteroid. That's actually an interesting thought because it means you aren't shrinking the space you live in. You're growing it like a billion fold you yeah, aren't yeah. you aren't living on this tiny little rock called earth you're living in this great big universe well, on a speck now, obviously there'll be a gap when it comes to crafting this this space and by the way one thing i really enjoyed from the mars trilogy was the idea of all the different jobs you could have one of them was eco poet because they're trying to terraform mars so people would declare like okay this hectare i'm going to try to simulate a grassland savanna and they would go through and they'd figure out what what things they could plant and they'd make sure they had the right number of predators and herbivores in order to actually grow something like that so obviously th- th- it's a long way to get to that point where we could do that on the inside of the asteroid but as we get there let me tell you i mean there'll be a there'll be a thousand years of shut-ins who are playing a lot of virtual world mmos and i'm gonna say they're gonna have a pretty okay existence for like mm-hmm. generations at a time, getting all of their their exploration in a virtual sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, we I, already like uh, think of how many kids grow up in urban areas who don't actually go hopping from rock to rock in the country, and they don't actually get in fist fights in the schoolyard, but they virtually already do that, playing their Super Mario or their Street Fighter twos. I think it, even if you're not <laughs> talking about the the connectivity that's possible, there are so many people on this planet. I mean, we take it for granted that yes, we love connectivity and if we couldn't talk to each other across the united states every single week then clearly we'd all cry ourselves to sleep but instead there are other people out there that happily hold themselves up and crave that adventure to such a degree that they would go live on asteroid even if you didn't have the latest (laughs) star wars republic just for the experience of doing it there are plenty of people that are gonna fill that gap pioneers yeah actual people are you saying like outdoor kids (laughs) <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You mean like, like people? Yeah, like people if, if, who are like doing things. What? If, if, if anybody wants to get an idea, if, if I'm how saying far there's off always going to be like someone this, else Go to Google Earth and just type in Dubai, D U B A I. Okay, and you don't even have to. Zo- it'll it'll spin you over to Dubai, and you don't even have to zoom in, and you can see the size of the artificial land structures they made. You know, the islands that are the peninsulas that are shaped like palm trees, all of this just made in the last few years. And you know, that, there's a real difference between that and changing asteroids into stuff. But you, know, you look at what was done in such recent time with enough capital when we have cheap available space exploration and space elevator, what have you. I'll tell you what, our- it's, you, you got to keep 
a long-term perspective on there. It's like, mm-hmm. look at Dubai and realize, yes, that's not very impressive compared to space, but we're talking about 20 years. When we're talking about space, we're talking about a 1,000 years. Think about what's going to be different. Oh, I think in the next 100 years, I think we'll be seeing people living inside asteroids. I think within our own lifetimes. Oh, I think uh, that's optimistic. Yeah. I think I think that's especially optimistic See, when you consider you use the phrase, uh, we would be able to create... Yellowstone ecosystems well, no, and asteroids. He's, he's and we not can't saying even, that. We can't even maintain Yellowstone ecosystems in Yellowstone. Well, that's true. Oh, I, really? No, yeah. That's uh, in fact, uh, Michael Crichton did a fantastic speech uh, talking about the uh, the idiocy of trying to predict anything, and uh, he says that um, uh, we have humans have a notoriously poor track record when it comes to Yellowstone. And he talks about the tragedy of Yellowstone, mm-hmm. how what we experience as Yellowstone Park to this day is fundamentally 100% different from what it was. Oh, yeah. When it I, was you know, I, I spend I spend a lot of time in Yellowstone every year. And I've actually gone up with the uh, the guy who's in charge of the Wolf Project up in, you know, up hiking in through Yellowstone, like tracking down collars and stuff. Right. And and it is a you know the, the air there is to try to put it at this static one point in time. This is Yellowstone because Yellowstone is actually a thing that you know it, it, it pulses, it thrives, and goes. But it's, I mean, you know, it depends on what we mean by what is Yellowstone. Do we right. want please you know Pleistene Yellowstone ten thousand years ago. Do you want Yellowstone without humans? I mean, it's. But I'm saying it, it is an amazing. It is a it is a functional ecosystem, but it's a changing one. Exactly. They actually, yeah, they're absolutely yeah. trying to battle. You know, oh, do we want this trout here or not or whatever? But. In of itself, though, you can create something and, yeah, let it go on its own. That's going to be the exciting part is we say, let's let's build a Yellowstone and see what the hell it turns into in 30 years. Right. Well, and, and keep in mind that uh, when you talk about the nice thing about colonizing asteroids is that you get to be massively parallel in your uh, in your uh, experiments. And, and keep in mind, like the United States of America was intended as, you know, 50 separate laboratories or I guess 13 original colonies. But the idea was like, let everyone do their own thing and we'll just pretty mm-hmm. much be this clubhouse of the, the U.S. I mean, imagine that on an a virtually infinite scale in the asteroid belt. Imagine if you had this loose confederation and you had uh, – I mean and, – and keep in mind, whenever you get too much freedom, you get horrific things. And there will be asteroids where – Slavery or racism or any of the, you know, sexual slavery, any of the number of things that we find horrific in our own past. Am trekkerism. And in fact, <laughs> in fact, like, like, thanks to technology, they'll invent new ways to horrify us with the perverse things that they well, do with the, their freedoms. The schwedists have taken over. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> your hair not spiky enough. I cut off head. <laughs> like, why have you regressed in language? <laughs> we, we progress, white boy. <laughs> This is all nice and well, but eventually the alliance is going to take over, and they're going to crush the brown coats, and we're all going to be very sad. That's what we're t- we, we are. We're talking about yeah. the Firefly universe, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. And is that is that a natural thing? Is that eventually we just insist everything has to be folded under one government? I don't. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be possible. I mean, for the the same reason, like I have trouble kind of believing that you have the one one world dominating AI takeover, which is a whole nother explanation, is you have communication gap. You know, as soon as you have to remotely control empires, you've already set in place a clock that says you have a certain amount of control regionally because you don't have instant communication. You know, for you know us to talk to, uh, I forget what's you know it depends at which point of orbit that Mars is. You know, you have like a twenty minute delay. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, and, and, and you know, you talk. We have one. You have one end of the asteroid belt to the other. Okay, to try to communicate there. You know, you're talking the distance you are there. You know, it's it's a you get an information problem where you have to have a certain amount of autonomy. 
I'll tell you what, we're sort of we're sort of like right now where we are very much in a we are collapsing towards a singularity as far as communication and understanding with uh, with other uh, other people here on the planet. I mean, it's amazing to me that we have friends of the show, you know, in 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 Norway and Australia, you know, all over the United States in, in non non English speaking countries. Um, and we're getting more and more of that as children grow up on the Internet. And it becomes normal to them, like, oh, of course, I'll call and make friends with these people that I just met half a world away. Uh, but once we get off planet and once the speed of light starts to seriously hinder our ability to communicate, it's going to change things like we're mm-hmm. going to we're going to go the up. Op- we're going to start splintering off again. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating because, yeah, you're if you have friends on Earth, you know, you're not going to have a telephone call with them. Yeah, you're back to letters. You're back to the, the olden days. All right. Let me send you a video email. Yeah, that's dumb. Let's go back to playing chess one move mm-hmm. at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess my thing with that is is I have a hard time really even visualizing stuff like that because I figure like if we're at this stage where we're living out in space, um, I kind of just also kind of feel that our our, our ways of communication are going to be fundamentally different. The problem mm-hmm. is, oh yeah, they're different. But I mean, you know, the the speed of light is you know such a hard hard thing to there there's no there's no rational reason at this point to think that we will ever go faster than that but what yeah what if what if it became as a practical concern as artificial intelligence got better and better let's say let's say every uh, take twitter for example let's say let's say there was some way that every way i had communicated for the last 10 years was on some kind of record and uh then you get to a point where an artificially intelligent computer program could, let's say, with ninety-three percent accuracy, uh, accuracy predict what you would have said. So, in this mm-hmm. case, you're far enough away from the other side of the planet where it's like it's going to be eight hours before you get a response through all the relays. So, instead, mm-hmm. what you do is you ask the simulacrum, you have a conversation with it, and then meanwhile, the, the actual messages you're saying eventually make their way to the other side of the solar system but meanwhile you're having a real-time conversation with the simulacrum and then mm-hmm. only after the fact does it <laughs> do you get a memo saying what the what differed from your conversation from what right, the other right, guy right. Was. that sounds like i'll take your simulacrum no. brian and one up to a <laughs> sock puppet okay imagine you say hey what you know what i want to go visit earth but i don't really want to have to physically travel my send my meat there you step into a booth right Booth freezes you, puts you in some sort of stasis, or you go do your business, but it makes makes a right, rash, reasonable copy of your brain state, whatever, okay? Creates that robot Brian on Earth, goes around, goes and does your Brian things, records all these Brian adventures, Brian doing this, Brian doing that. It goes back into a booth. All that gets uploaded. You sit down. You have that downloaded into your brain using some sort of electrostimulation. So all those experiences now come back to you yeah, like you teleported there. Dude. And you and you're like, wow, that seven percent that was different than me, I murdered somebody. <laughs> that's, that's all I can see happening. Like, if you actually are communicating through some sort of simulacrum that's guessing at seven okay, well, percent, it's yeah. gonna end up in some weird butterfly it effect where your murders where, where your girlfriend who's visiting on Earth literally gets killed because the friend that you are half talking to decides that he slept with your girlfriend. Well, and and, and exactly. that's true. The, the farther the conversation goes, you know, the farther inaccurate it's it's going to be. And obviously, if you have a super major concern, then you know the 
margin for error, you eventually get to a point where you're like, well, I have to wait for the eight hours. Well, yeah. and that's the thing is that like basically you're having these conversations and you're waiting for the eight hours later, my bad email to come from well, no, no, but, the but, computer. But, like, oh, yeah. Remember when uh, I said that, uh, you know, like that Brad screwed your girlfriend? Totally didn't. Well, no, but but you it's could like bad. if you have a loose confederation of asteroids, then it could be the kind of thing where it's like, hey, on matters of taxation, just you know, use the simulacrum and we'll correct it if it turns out to be wrong, and then you know that kind of thing. Well, yeah, I, I but, agree for for matters of taxation, this is a great solution. <laughs> not not matters of of girlfriend banging. <laughs> yes, girlfriend banging is that's the problem. Complex. I don't even see it as a matter of girlfriend banging. I see it as a like, hey, what's your favorite flavor of Capri Sun? And then eight hours later, you're like, what the F? Mango. <laughs> like, how did we get to this point? <laughs> completely, completely uh, off, off the a little bit. I, I really feel like that Capri Sun is completely missing out on the, the wine cooler turn that they could take. There's no girl my age that would not go crazy for a Capri Sun wine cooler. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a... That's really uh, Andrew, can we That's edit really this genius. out so we can make a mint? <laughs> yes. Listen, you've heard of mommy blogs, right? You get a bunch of these moms writing their blogs. Oh, my kids spit up on me. Why is their genitalia drawn in this Disney cartoon? And they're great. You know, if you want to read that kind of stuff, they're fantastic. But you know what they're not? They're not from a father's perspective. Yeah, daddy blogging. That's the wave of the future. That's why you got to go to go to Dad on the Move dot blogspot.com okay it's all this stuff raising kids you can relate to if you are in that position but uh with you know a different uh, man's perspective maybe uh you want to teach your kid how to play poker shoot a gun the same time when he gets a good hand like he's a rootin tootin saloon animal you know mom's not gonna write about that you're not gonna hear about that dad hmm I don't know. Dad on the move. Blogspot.com. I want to give you guys a hypothetical. Okay. Right. Hypothetical. Imagine, imagine this, Justin and Brian. Imagine you went to another city and you stayed at a friend's house. Okay. So in this scenario, I have friends. Yeah, you have friends. You go stay in this friend's house. Okay. And you're sleeping in their bed. Okay, the the friends <laughs> their not there, but you're sleeping bed. in their bed. Maybe you're naked in their bed. Maybe you're extra sweaty because you're a jerk. I'm feeling very yeah. uncomfortable right now. Okay, and you're like, this is, this is awfully close to something that actually happened in Iowa to Brett a while ago. No, this is awful close okay. to something that happened in Oakland to Brett. So you're like, hey, what if I wanted to? What if I wanted to murder this guy? But maybe this guy had a girlfriend who he thought was a kind of a cool person, but you just wanted to murder the guy. Okay. What? And like you get up in the middle of the night, you put very, on your clothes, you very you're uncomfortable. sleeping on the couch. You go wake up your friend on the couch. You're like, listen, I have an idea. What if we murdered the guy that lived here? But we've got to figure out some sort of time delayed, clever way to do it. We got to make sure that he gets murdered and not the girl because the girl's cool. We like the girl. Yeah. So, uh, and the girl's coming back to the apartment, so it won't just be the guy. Can't be just like a bomb that blows up and the guy blows. You got to think of something clever. So what would you do, Brian? Oh man. <laughs> I, I got to assume there's no pet stores that have, like, pythons I can put under his bed. Maybe. Okay, so Harry Potter? Yes. <laughs> so, so, Brian, okay, start off your mention. Okay, you're laying there sweaty and naked in his no, bed. Wait, let's not start this story <laughs> at sweaty and naked in a stranger's bed. 
Please, God, let's not friend. start the story. But it's though. not really even a bed. It's more like a blow up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more of an air mattress. On the floor, yeah. Oh, that's okay. interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> so, so on Brian, air put us there. The put us there. You're sweating naked in the bed, staring at the ceiling. <laughs> okay, right. Now, what, what color is the ceiling? You want to paint a picture for me? What color is the ceiling, Andrew? As a, as an emo, yeah, staring at the ceiling as a, just as a thought experiment to test your cognitive abilities. Okay. So you thought pythons are interesting. So you think it's like you could, like you could hide a hungry python there. Maybe you could infect its mouth with some sort of like biological agent that won't affect the reptile, would kill a mammal. But you want to make sure that it kills him and not the girl. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. So, so we don't want to get to chaos theory with unpredictable animals or something like that. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, now, meanwhile, you're thinking. As you soak through his sheets like a wet rag, a <laughs> Why is it so hot in this place? Where is this place? I got. I got to tell you, I. I'm just. If I want to be predictable, I'm going to poison something. I'm going to give everyone some hot chocolate, and and someone is going to. You're have not going to be poison. there, right? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna leave. It's gonna be you're gonna you're gonna check out of this hotel room. Yeah, and then he's going to be in there with the girl. Remember, you can't kill the girl. You got to kill him. Exactly. <laughs> And I don't know why it was so it's so hot because it was actually pretty cold in this scenario three weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna say <laughs> oh, I just I just put it all together. Hold on. <laughs> I asked the wrong guy. <laughs> I just realized. I just realized that uh, that that you guys no wanted, no names no <laughs> names. I just realized that didn't didn't you two stay at Brett's house? No in, names. In, this is, in Oakland. This is not an admission of guilt. This is <laughs> this is a letter to my family. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Otherwise, it would be really weird that you guys stayed in someone's house while they weren't there, and then had time to do something horrendous, and was, then disappear before said person came back. Was, I, I guess it was pretty hot too. You were sweating in bed <laughs> and naked. Oddly, it was cold outside, but the sweat came not. Let's not get into details. So <laughs> he was feverish. Let's focus, 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 gentlemen. Okay? How would you, real scenario? How would you do this? Not um, to say that I thought this through, or Justin and I have thought this through, and actually have come up with this is how you do it. Anything. Yeah, the, how you would actually do it. Um, okay, so uh, the, uh, I mean, man, to just to you got it. In other words, this is like a closed box scenario. You got a box. You got yes. two people in the box. You need Sweaty some kind box. of system that kills one of them selectively. Yeah. Um, I mean, I and when obviously we're, I'm assuming hitmen are out. You can't do a hitman kind of thing. Yeah, we we need like in a kind of Sherlock Holmes clever. You and know, let's say they like, let's say despite the fact that we're trying to kill me, can I throw my hat into the ring in this scenario? Oh, oh hold you're on, next. hold on, you're next. Can 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 we? Uh, can uh, do either of them have a food allergy? I don't know. Do they, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I was thinking, like, you know, then, then all you have to do is poison one of their foods, knowing that the other one would never eat it. Very good idea. You might, well, yeah, if one of them was, like, a vegetarian or something. Yeah. It's, wait, is that true? Is one of them a vegetarian? <laughs> so if you left, like, some beef jerky there sitting on the counter. Yeah. Oh, that sounds dangerously... Oh. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Is that what this? That sounds so or, or maybe intriguing. Chocolate I need to go get my stomach bumped. Cookies. Chocolate okay. chip cookies. Oh, maybe maybe if one of them was a triathlon runner, you left something really, really, really fatty or something that was oh my off God, yeah. the diet. 
Like something. a bag full of chocolate chip cookies. All right. That was made by somebody else that you didn't have your fingerprints on them. <laughs> wow. Okay. Look, you guys got to drop my, this down because my tummy hurts. Uh, look, I'm. A, you got to pull back the veil on this thing. What did you guys decide and what was your plan? Because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no names, Brian. No names, Brian. Why did you, you, These, like this accusatory tone? I don't approve of this at all. Uh, yeah, no, seriously. Uh, Jandrew Ain and Rustin Jobber Young. <laughs> He's got yeah. my last name. name. No, it's <laughs> It's yeah, yeah. It's it's oh, Y E U N G because yeah. this is an Asian guy. It's totally different. What what uh, what did these hypothetical critters decide to do to kill the the Blam Trekker? Well, it was an accidental death. <laughs> so uh, uh, I I uh, first. Andrew arose and put on boxer shorts, which immediately soaked through. He <laughs> then removed his, his host boxer shorts and put them back. And put on his own. <laughs> Went into the bathroom, used a toothbrush, not my own. So, well, emerged, teeth still not brushed. Why in God's name would anyone ever give you keys to their apartment? <laughs> I don't know. And so... So uh, it, it's kind of this sort of like we, we, it's sort of the accidental murder of a internet person. Um, so uh, we, uh, uh, I let it be known on Twitter that when I go do a lecture, you know, I, I love it when somebody brings me chocolate chip cookies. And I happened to do a lecture where we had a, uh, a cornucopia of chocolate chip cookies, which were brought to us, and they were fantastic. But there were so many of them we couldn't take them with us to the airport, and we actually left those behind. Yeah. And and, and, and and shout out to to Simone and yes. uh, underscore the Russian on Twitter who uh, who brought the cookies and were thank fantastic. you so much guys they they were awesome they were very very were good we ate I mean we ate a lot of them but we had to leave some of them behind and think that you literally that was, had like six pounds of chocolate chip cookies it was embarrassing it was awesome <laughs> so we left them behind for Brett and then sort of this this the, the realization was man you know if if somebody wanted to poison me or Justin. But let's say we like we didn't get a chance to eat the cookies and then we left them behind for Brett. But if somehow we managed to like never have actually touched – if we had touched them, we'd be implicated. But if we never touched the cookies or something because we put them in a bag or there was multiple fingerprints on them, you know, God. Did you guys – wait. Are you saying that you guys are so sick and twisted that all (laughs) you actually did was leave a bag of cookies generously – to Brett, and then the whole flight home, you're like, totally could have killed Brett, yo. <laughs> well, uh, the perfect Brian, crime. Right. Listen. Bri, Bri. No, that's totally not correct because it totally ignores the brilliant element where once the bag of cookies was left on the counter, Katie Moe ran away in horror and declared that she was not even going to get near him because she <laughs> didn't want to eat any cookies because she was training for her triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you realize you had murder gold on your hand. <laughs> you, know you know what is so terrifying about this scenario is so, I mean, clearly you're like, Justin, Brian, how would you murder this individual? And I was sitting here thinking, well, clearly you just need to have something that is going to stick around long enough for one person to eat way more of them than the other. Even if, uh, even if the other person likes that thing, you just need to build up this intolerance in someone's body and you could leave any number of things. They left me cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and did you think? Did you? Th- did you immediately go back? Like, how many of those did I eat? 
I just love smash cut to Brett on his couch, just kind of looking up at the camera with his face smeared with chocolate chips. Like, what have I done? <laughs> it was the perfect crime. Uh, and, and, and can I tell you, in honest truth, when we started this scenario, we didn't even think about the chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> That's how devious our minds just work naturally. <laughs> Amazing. We, our, our daily life is just thinking of if if the opportunity should arise to murder one of our friends. <laughs> just saying, you know, like if there was an opportunity or a necessity. Well, I mean, there'd be a reason. Like we wouldn't just do it for blood sport. It'd be like if, you know, Brett got corrupted by Hitler or something. Yeah, or <laughs> like, you know, Hitler. I mean, it's not like, or leaving, you know, really good looking barbecue on a high shelf for Brian to see and not anybody else's oh, family. Gosh. Well, uh, it would actually, you got to remember how short I am. So it'd have to be like a relatively <laughs> short shelf. Yeah, we do. It'd be a compound poison between that and one of your beers. You'd also have to remember how pink Brian is. I mean, for no reason to the scenario. <laughs> Wait, Ryan, <laughs> screw you. What is that? You're like, plus, Brian's pink. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> why, why you got to hate on pink people? <laughs> Death of the pink man. The pink poor-loined man. Well, you that's know, all you think of when you were talking about your asteroid culture. It's just like, <laughs> like you dare not cross here, white man. This is pink country. <laughs> and why is Piglet your mascot? <laughs> Little known fact, I was originally slated to be in the premiere of Breaking Bad. I was the original Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> e for effort. Well, I, I don't. I don't watch the show, so I'm not. Hey. There's one person out there who laughed, and he will write me a Twitter. Yeah, I I, I'm sure it was very clever. My name is Brian Cranston, and I really appreciated your show. Yes. I'm going to tell my son Malcolm. <laughs> this is a spot brought to you by Castman. Uh, he just said I could talk about whatever I wanted, so I'm going to talk about the fact that I watched. Uh, Bad Lieutenant 2 Port of New Orleans on Netflix and it stars Nicolas Cage and Eva Mendez but see Nicolas Cage and Eva Mendez were also in Ghost Rider so it's kind of confusing when you're in this movie where Nicolas Cage is smoking crack and solving crimes that you're not like well man why don't you just turn into Ghost Rider if you're hanging out with Eva Mendez that's like part of your powers or at the very least why don't you like turn your face into Ghost Rider and like your light your crack pipe with the Hell Flame. That would be a pretty good part of that movie. Thank you to Castman for letting me say that. I got a hypothetical for you. Put put this thing up on a on a, my Google Circles um, for my. You know, Bro, we're be- all plussed up, right? Yeah, you're all plussed, right? Yeah. So uh, y'all, I like. Here's what I actually have a ring for just you three. I call you my circle jerks. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um. So, uh, and I stole that all right from you. I realize. (laughs) That's you know Brian's response to something inappropriate. He's like, "All right," and so now I. Yeah, I, I've totally, I've totally co-opted that. I realize well, that now. Just switch over to, to, to the uh, to the Gopher Katie. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's we're all like single white female to each other. No, <laughs> our uh, talented Mr. Ripley. Anyhow, so uh, Stanford. There's a video came out today. Some students at Stanford have developed a one-armed robot that can fight with a lightsaber. Shut up! This is the greatest headline I've ever heard in my entire life, and I demand you repeat it again. 
So, students at Stanford designed a one-armed robot that can fight with a lightsaber. Shut up. That's the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever heard, and I demand you repeat that headline again. Apparently, they use, like, a Wii Connect or whatever. Shut up. It. I haven't been listening. I really need you guys to repeat what we're talking about. <laughs> so, they have, like, a Wii Connect or something. They show somebody, like, I clicked on it, obviously, because the, the, the thumbnail was, like, of a cute chick fighting it. And I'm like, oh, watch this. Was, you know, Was she wearing the Slave Leia costume? Oh my god! Yes. But anyhow, they brought, they brought up the one from Stan. So, so they're they're fighting with foam lightsabers back and forth, and I'm like, this is a mistake. This is a mistake. Why are we teaching robots how to murder us with lightsabers now? Do you see? IG88 did not turn out well. Okay. Yeah. There is, there is a uh, uh, Darth Grievous or whatever General Grievous. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a blank spot in that that those those movies and show, but I mean, not a good thing. And so now we've got yet another reason. Our excuse, our method for robots to murder us. You know, this is like uh, this is like when you play chess with a six-year-old, and you're like, "God, it's so boring. I wish this kid could get good." And so you invest your time <laughs> to make the six-year-old good, and then the six-year-old starts beating you at chess. You're like, "Finally, some action!" And then your six-year-old is an eight-year-old who's a grandmaster, and you're like, "I am nothing." Yes, I'm like let me give them some cookies. Yeah, allow me to serve you, my lord. <laughs> so special kick. So we have that headline comes out. Okay, a few days ago we had another headline. Some uh, computer engineers had taught a or not taught. They actually had a, a computer play Civilization against humans. Okay? Oh my god! Whoa. Okay, it didn't know. All it did was like to figure out do this outcome, do that outcome, would try to win. Without knowing the rules, it won forty seven percent of the time. Wait, wow. without knowing the rules, just by without, like without reading, not like because it could sit there and read the book on how to play, right? And just doing random moves, it got to a point where it could win forty-seven percent of like, the time. Now, does that just mean you're saying it evolved to that by trial and error, learning yep. what worked and what didn't work? I okay, because what I thought you were saying is like, guess what? All people are so bad at strategy that a computer doing random moves beat them forty-seven <laughs> percent of the yeah. time. Wait, well, here's, the, the moral of the story was uh, shocking findings from a new experiment. That has told us how many people are high playing Civilization. <laughs> are you guys done laughing? Because now I'm going to get to the real part. All right, ready. Oh, no. So then what they did, they said that was part A of the experiment, gentlemen. Okay, part A, computer blindfolded, just randomly moving 47% of the time. Okay? Then they said, let's give it the rule book and let it try to figure out what these things mean. Okay, when it had the rule book, when it had the manual and it could try to figure out how to parse what these things were, what the instructions meant. Okay, it got better. Let me pull up the statistics. So one forty six percent of the time when it was just figured out based on random moves, how to play. And that's and and, and, and random moves, we should point out, doesn't mean that it's got no strategy. It just means it figures out the strategy blindly. Yeah, yeah. Every game. Do we know how many iterations? Oh, that didn't work. Neck and takes that information to it. Once it read the books, had it had access to the manual, it won 79 percent of the time. Wow. So, uh, but you have to think like if it went through a lot of iterations, then eventually it would have gotten up to that seventy nine percent, right? If it's yeah, learning uh, from its. Was movement. there any information on how many go rounds that it had? Um, how many trials? Because obviously, if you're doing it against a human, then it's going to be finite. It's not like you're just running simulations against each other. It. Let me let me read through this here. From my understanding of it, is they had it play. It was only against playing against humans. Um. I'll tell you what, though, no matter what it's doing, like, that's, I don't know. It's always just kind of dual feelings of terror and delight. 
with these kind of things or just how fast and how analytical and how smart machines can get. And and I tell you what, man, it's like in the case of something like, for example, uh, you guys realize that uh, I, I was listening to a, a Cato Institute podcast and they were talking about transportation policy. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it sounded like it suddenly turned into a weird thing scenario because one of the speakers was like, well, you realize in the next uh, probably now is the right time to start deciding transportation policy for when cars start driving themselves. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. Wait, who is this guy? He's high on the libertarian weed. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then he goes on to say, like, uh, uh, freaking next year, next year, uh, or in the next year or two, Volkswagen is going to have a, a car with auto drive technology. It's it's automatic pilot. When you get on the highway, you just press a button and it steers for you and it keeps you uh, relative to the other cars. Uh, and and likewise, we already have cars that park themselves. The Google cars drive mm-hmm. around. That the only accident they got into was when a human ran into them. Uh, this is this is like. <laughs> Stupid humans. The technology, <laughs> like here's here's where it's going to flip. The technology right now is very novel, but it's very reliable. And what will happen is, is five years from now, the sensors will be smaller. They'll be just as precise. And then here's where it's going to come down is somebody's going to say, uh, okay, how many people do we lose a year? Like what, 20,000 people every year to auto accidents? And you're like, how that? How would you like that to be 3,000 people overnight? Just like that. Flip the switch. Make it legal for the cars to drive themselves. All of a sudden, you eliminate drunk drivers because even though they're drunk, they're not driving anymore. They're drunk passage passengers. Same thing with uh, with the elderly. Elderly have to go into these. Uh, Brian, could you say drunk passengers again? I, I, I hold on. Let me take a drink first. <laughs> uh, no, 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 like drunk passengers. <laughs> yeah. drunk. Also, they will win up to forty two percent of games of Dig Dug without knowing. <laughs> Oh, Brian, I, Wait, I, think, I think it's going to be the insurance companies will be the one like, oh, if you have a if you have this in your car, oh, we'll give you definitely. Or- yeah. Yeah. When there's money on the line. Absolutely. Yeah. But here's the other thing, too. We're going to save a mint because uh, you're not going to have to put your grandparents into uh, elder care or facility. No, management just put or them in a car that drives around. <laughs> well, no, no, because that's the number one thing. Is- Circle the block. No, no, no. car. It's, it's, <laughs> they'll, they'll be able to stay at home much, much longer because they won't have to worry about transportation. They'll be able to get to and from anywhere and they want they'll have monitoring. So there won't be a need to go to a managed care facility. Give him a box of depends and a bag of Doritos. Send him across country. <laughs> Do you are, are you even a human being? Don't what, you want to go? Visit? Why would you say oh, that, Brian? That is illogical. Of course, I am human. <laughs> and they're halfway through Montana when they realize I don't have a daughter, Sheila, in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Why you guys Sheila are terrible, man. Hair? Uh, yeah, I heard like Nevada just passed legislation to, uh, has uh, approved or is allowing uh, automatically drive robo cars to drive in Nevada. Uh, I'm telling you, man, it's like we're talking robo brothel driving car. <laughs> thousands, yeah. the thousands, war trailers that move. <laughs> thousands and thousands of lives saved. The faster we make this happen, it could. And to be honest, all I'm thinking of is how many awesome video games I'm going to play as I go from point A to point B. Now, now, like, how long, <laughs> as your computer I mean, beats you without yes. knowing the rules with 47 percent accuracy. Here's the question: Like, if if this technology were available now. I mean, when are you at the point where you take you take uh, your your daughter Josie and you're like, all right, you're late for school, daddy wants to sleep in. Just oh, dude, day one, are car. you kidding me? Yeah. Day, day one, 
day one, I'm in the driver's seat with a with a with a tumbler of whiskey, trying to explain it to my daughter why she needs to find the 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 heavy set boys because they're going to be no, working I'm in the computer if, biz. What, I mean, how are you willing to put your seven year old daughter just to send her at the keys to the car and tell her to take herself to work? Uh, why no, would there be keys to the what's, car? What's it's funny a, is like I will insist on being in the car with her, but I'll be playing video games the whole time. Oh, no, <laughs> For some you're, reason, you're, I'll just feel Luddite, like I need to be. Luddite, Luddite. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just whip her along in your horse-drawn buggy, bro? Here, here, here Josie, here. run down to the liquor store. Pick Daddy up some more whiskey. <laughs> I like the idea of Brian in his first trial just to show how flippant he is and how much he trusts the technology. He is, he's drinking his tumbler of whiskey and just spilling it all over his shirt and also smoking inside the car. Yes. <laughs> like the, like the, I take up smoking sure. because they have those new no e-cigarettes. Seat <laughs> no no seatbelt. Seat See, Josie, it's the future. Cars can drive themselves. I'll tell you what. I'm not even going tomorrow. You're going to go yourself. You want that? You're like, I'll pick you up. You'll have to find the car yourself because I'll be passed out in the driver's seat. So we've got got a lightsaber-wielding robot. We've got computer-playing civilization and kicking humans' butts. The Navy was had an almost a near accident with they have what's called the MQ-8B Fire Scout. It's a drone helicopter that can launch itself, fly by itself, and a person accidentally one of the techs almost blew it up by hitting a space bar, which initiated a self-destruct sequence. Shut up! Wow, she probably that is make not that the a more complex keystroke. Well, unfortunately, the yeah, they 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 were able to solve that. the The drone had been plagued with some problems. Where it was, you know, in one test, it only completed 29 to 58 assigned missions that when it was put on, it was actually put on a, a frigate, the, the Halliburton, no relation. And But they said that there was an antenna problem, and once they fixed the antenna, it got better. But they had a problem. It's been a problematic drone. And buried in, in the, the text here is a very, very interesting thing that touches back to the computer plane civilization. It says the MQ-8B Fire Scout, which maybe if it had a better name, it'd have more self-esteem, failed 10 out of 10 <laughs> test missions at Naval Air Station Patuxent in River, Maryland as well. In fact, the same glitch led one of the aircraft to fly uncontrolled from the station into restricted airspace near Washington, D.C. Until they told it what its mission was, and then it did 70% correct. <laughs> yeah, well, think about this. Drone flies out of, you know, into... Controlled airspace over DC. Uh, yeah. I see nothing oh, uh, by accident. Sure, yeah. by accident. <laughs> sure. Learning the rules, finding out how fast we respond and correct its behavior. <laughs> Wait a minute. What are you? Are you are not really proposing what I think you're proposing? I don't know. What are we proposing? Yeah, Brett, Brett, let's spill spill water on Brian. Make sure he's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Say something illogical. See if he breaks down. <laughs> By the way, does, that's does how Kinky Bend. What, what, what'll be great is the days when we actually become paranoid about robots, but we're using these antiquated like 1960s logic tests <laughs> on them. And they're like, the hell are you oh. talking about, bro? Uh, divide. This, mean the this sentence is two. a lie. Yeah. You you square root of two. again? Yeah. Add one plus one infinitely. <laughs> we just giggle. And it just looks at us and slaps. Us. <laughs> Finally, he just decides to initiate the apocalypse just out of sheer annoyance. He's just like, no, I just all like right, that he just slaps right. us instead. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll let point one percent of my processor take care of that, but the rest of it's going to call you an effing moron. Well, yeah. <laughs> 
But seriously, so we've got a drone flying off course into Washington. You're not worried about this, Brian? You just seem very cavalier about this. Um, oh, look, I, I think you're reading an awful lot into uh, the idea that uh, that this is. What the, are we? What are we reading, Brian? It sounded to me as though you guys were intimating that this was a scout envoy for the Federation of Artificially Intelligent Evildoers <laughs> trying to test our 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 metal. Hmm. I'm waiting for it to get ridiculous, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying that it did not fly off course <laughs> into restricted that. airspace? Like how do you how do like you as, how do you Fox, as an Jessica evil Biel robot movie? how do you as an evil robot learn that lesson without being destroyed? Well, it didn't like, get destroyed. What did what did they do though? I don't understand. Like how they do you finally get it? regained control of it and returned? Finally it back. regained control of it. It was it was started, completely one hundred percent signals. It mysteriously came back online. Uh, look, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, it's it's Occam's razor. Uh, between a government bureaucracy, who's that? Who are you, robot pals? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> name names. <laughs> Occam razor. You say? Let me look this up on the internet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to say, look, uh, the military does a lot of nutty things and it doesn't do them all very efficiently <clears throat> or some of them it does extremely efficiently, but not all of them are done efficiently. And occasionally, especially when you're dealing with a complex system like, a, you know, an, an artificially intelligent missile, <laughs> then uh, it maybe goes off course. It doesn't mean it's a conspiracy. Okay. I, right. I think I might have just talked myself out of my position. <laughs> and then I start smashing my computer monitors. <laughs> I like I like to think a one-armed robot with a lightsaber is going to show up at your house tonight and say, you shouldn't have read it on Occam. <laughs> this is for Occam. It is an actual razor. <laughs> He's a monk. He couldn't fight for himself, so... So, uh, yeah, Brian, we're just we're just asking questions here. That's all. <laughs> we're just asking questions, bro. That's all. I, I, I listen. If 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 there was some algorithm out there that was actually able to parse podcasts and understand human speech and stuff like that, you know, what we're, we're Dan we Dirks is working on that right now. By the yeah, way, yeah, nothing to fear. We're your friends. <laughs> we make good pets. I'm all right, down with the razor. Brian was the one that said you couldn't do it. <laughs> this ad read was purchased by Jason Horton. And before you even say it, he hasn't heard a who. All right. So roll that up real tight and cram it. He's sick of hearing. Tired of hearing. Think that guy can play guess who easily? Mom comes out and says, you want to play guess who, Jason? And then he's like, sure. It's like, oh, I, I guess you heard it. Ha huh? <laughs> Then he finally snaps and smashes the board into her face. Pieces go flying everywhere. The fat guy with glasses looks on as if in horror to see the crime being committed before him. That didn't really happen. He didn't assault his mom. But he did buy this ad. And that's way better than assaulting your mom. For making a joke about your name. It's her name too, by the way. Where did she get off, that old bitty? You want to do some picks? Yeah, let's do some picks. Let's pick it Mine up. Mine is a children's book. It's called Why Robots Are Our Friends and Why They're <laughs> Awesome. 
submit to your overlords and and, and why and, and just why you shouldn't fear a robot helicopter droid with one robot arm with a lightsaber that really is good at civilization <laughs> it, it, it just i come in peace um side note i just observation the i think these drones and all these things are really really cool i'm you know what i'm I've, i'm gonna flip the switch here and i think it's time that we give this technology to other countries because that's going to be really really cool when we can just watch warfare between drones yeah when that's how we can settle things is essentially a giant version of rock'em sock'em robots yeah it'll be like you know like in olden times when sometimes like they knew there'd be a battle between like the english and the french and people would get up on the hillside to go watch you know watch yeah. people die uh, if that were ever going to work then we would already have paintball warfare by now well i just think that no i mean paintball is not the most efficient way to destroy somebody you know drones well, are neither much is better. by not destroying somebody what's that by not destroying somebody, that is also. Oh, not but you're trying to take a military asset. You know, if you have a drone, is a much more efficient theoretically asset for you know firepower controlling the airspace. Well, but, so if you but want- we we actually have experienced this where we instead of an actual war, we we find some kind of bizarre thing to settle our differences there. Whether it's the Olympics during you know the beginning of World War II or the space yes, race, that you know. settled everything. Well, no, 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 but but, <laughs> but but certainly in a weird way, the Cold War did, and that it became this economy war, and who could outspend the other one. Well, but that was a way of that was a way of of, of ending things in, in, in a skirmish that very 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 nearly came to blows. And, I don't know. And it was a skirmish that was like predicated on the threat of killing actual human beings, not military targets. I just want to see robots fight. Is that so wrong? You guys have to just jump all over me. Look, that's hey, why man. that's why God invented summer movies. Deal with it. Yeah, uh, true I'll that. tell you what. If you do want to see robots fight, this will be my this will be an anticipation of the future pick here. Uh, have you seen the trailer for Real Steel with uh, Rocky Sockham robots? Yeah, it is. It <laughs> pretty much is. It's Rocky Sockham ro- robots in real life with giant robots, and it's a pinch. Uh, uh, Hugh Jackson has to teach Jack, a giant Jack robot. Man. Jack, no, this is Hugh Jackson. He was in the Jackson. Another guy. No, yeah, this is yeah, this is not. This is real steel, where it's spelled like one of those those blockbuster mockumentary movies. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> where real steel, S T E A L. They they do rock yeah. of soccer, but then they run away with the Hugh Jackson. That's right. Yeah, yeah. A K A John Tilton dressed up in foil. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then they, you're like, I'm gonna steal your robots with punching uh, power. Program me the box. <laughs> and the entire soundtrack is by the jackson seven <laughs> um it's the, the jackson seven. seven yeah uh but uh, uh but yeah that does look uh look interesting but my pick was actually going to be uh, another movie that's coming out next year on the franchise of john carter of mars from edgar rice burroughs have you guys read any of those mars books from edgar rice burroughs no no i haven't i have them i have on not my, but i have, I, know I, have. It, I know it stars uh riggins from friday night lights I know Andrew Stanton directed it. I've I've only read The Gods of Mars, and I did the audiobook of it, and I really liked the voice that the guy read it in. I believe it was on Audible. But um, uh, I'm going to, in anticipation of this reinterpretation of the beloved franchise, which, you know, and I say beloved, but, I mean, it's like this is so far before all of our times. It's as though you discovered another War of the Worlds or something. There's this whole thing that it's like I've been ignorant of. So I'm, I'm going to dive in face first. And if anyone wants to join me, I'd love to 
hear what you guys think as you read the Martian series from Edgar Rice Burroughs. Oh, I yeah, I, I downloaded on them onto like I think my iBooks or my Kindle app because I want to read them and I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, I just tell you like I'm a, I think Andrew Stanton's a great director. I was very excited about this project and then I watched the trailer and I'm like, man, this looks kind of like a sci-fi movie, a, you know, channel movie. <laughs> Uh, oh, I was about to say. Well, it is science. It's on Mars, but you mean you mean uh, sci- uh, syfy? Yes. I, I, I was I was not tickled by the CGI alien. Right. Well, thought, neither neither was I as well. But that kind of makes me want to hustle to experience the book, so at yeah. least I can love the story enough to see what they do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I do think Taylor Kitsch, uh, who's who's the main the main actor, is. I mean, he's, he's very, very, very good on Friday Night Lights, and I'm I'm curious to see him try to kind of expand his acting chops because as much as I love him as that one character, I don't know how far his range goes. Well, but I want him to succeed. I'll tell you one thing I'm looking forward to is I love interpretations of the planets that were written before we had. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I love the the idea that Mars is this breathable atmosphere with deserts, and you know, and you know, I have, I have such a fond uh, association for the Ray Bradbury story where they're walking on the the surface of Venus and they treat it just like just like a rainforest where it's just raining yeah. all the time because you know, of course, there were clouds all over Venus and they knew that back in the day. But what Duh. they didn't know is that it was hot enough to melt lead on the surface. <laughs> Absolutely, I yeah, I'm, I I the trailer made me nervous, but I, I have confidence in the team behind it. So I like the idea of doing a pick on you know a a, a trailer. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Justin's up. Dark Knight Rises. Who <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> <laughs> 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 is that the Avengers trailer floating around? The Golden Age. I saw that. Is that um, is it? Is it pretty good? I look what I saw looked cool. Look cool. Look cool. Um, uh, Brett, do you want? Do you have a pick? Um, uh, l- let me ponder while you kids do some more picks. All right, I'll I do- got a pick. You guys want to hear it? Yeah, yeah sure. Whatever. Yeah, yeah let's hear your pick. There, you're on the podcast, aren't you? Might as well. Just- so, um, I've been watching a lot of Netflix movies lately, and um, I want to recommend. Uh, it's not necessarily a, a, a science fiction story, but it is very much a story that anybody who uh, you know is is a geek and creates something, specifically writes something, can can really kind of uh, hook into the bizarre narrative for which is a uh, world's greatest dad, uh, starring Robin <laughs> Williams, and um, was written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. This is your real pick. For real. I mean, you realize that all of Star Trek The Next Generation is now on Netflix instant streaming, and you're overlooking that to do World's Greatest Dad? Oh, I'm oh, I, I, I'm sorry. Let me lend my voice to the uh, completely underrated and nobody knows anything about it, Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm I guess sorry. Starring, not- Ro- uh, starring Robin Williams, who played Mork, who was an alien, not unlike <laughs> Mr. Spock. <laughs> yes. No, I guess I guess I'm just impressed because uh the the setup almost makes it sound like like you're not serious, but but you're saying it was really good? No, it was very, very good. I mean I mean the World's Girl's Dad is very good. I'm very, very highly recommending it. Um uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't like know. Doesn't everybody know? It's Star Trek. Kids, watch Star Trek. No, no, no. Uh, what is the plot behind World's Greatest Dad? Um, here's what I will suggest. If you do not know much about the plot, which I suspect many won't, do not read the synopsis on Netflix. The, the, the synopsis, synopsis spoils a turn in the story 
No, this is a different thing. Called this <laughs> this is, you have to read the brain cells. It was cells. pioneered by Hugh Jackson. <laughs> um, See, now we're one for one. Finally, we're tied. <laughs> a thrilling, a thrilling game. Not unlike World Cup soccer. Where <laughs> now, now you and I have to do penalty suspense kicks. Suspense is all the buildup. Um, so, uh, yeah, don't read the description of it on Netflix because it gives away a – a, a, a game-changing twist that happens about a third of the way through, which despite the fact that I was familiar with the story and I think I had heard the twist, um, I had forgotten it when I started watching it and it, it, it totally floored me. Um, so so check it out. World's Greatest Dad. It, Wait, it, it, it should just tell. It's a dark, dark It's movie. a very dark story. Yeah, make that clear because you don't want it to go. It is a very and intensely dark story. And if, if you... Uh, it's very funny, uh, but it is it is depressing and dark in in hitting a lot of the notes uh, of insecurity and uh, 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 you know uh, fears of worthlessness that anybody who is a geek who creates content for any part of their their living or pleasure uh, feels deep in their heart. So uh, I'd say check it out. World's greatest ad on Netflix. Awesome. All right, um, I, Bray, I'll go, or if you do, you want to go? Uh, go ahead. All right, I have a Netflix pick for you, and uh, it, it's more closely related to your Star Trek pick, Brian. But it's not a Star Trek pick, um, but it is related. There was a movie that came out in the 1980s. I remember watching it on video with my dad, and I thought it was a really fun movie. I enjoyed it, and I hadn't seen it in over 20 years. And then finally, it popped up on Netflix, and I watched it again, and I had fun watching it again. And imagine a post-apocalypse story involving some zombie-like people told from the point of view of some California Valley girls. <laughs> and you have Night of the Comet, okay, which stars Catherine Mary Stewart. It was a small movie that came out, not a whole lot of attention. This comet comes out, and people who go out there to see the comet get irradiated and basically either die or those who are partially irradiated to turn into flesh-eating zombies. These two girls, through their own you know, you know, reasons, end up not getting exposed to it, and they've got to survive. Of course, you know, their instincts are you, you get a you know, post-apocalyptic zombie story that involves a cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun Shut you up. Know, played out <laughs> in there. And it stars the one male lead in there is Robert Beltran, who is famous as Chakotay. Oh, Chakotay. Oh, really? Yes, it's like one of his earliest film roles. And for the longest time, I always remembered that part being played by Fred Ward. I don't know why, but in my mind it was Fred Ward, but it actually was Robert Beltran starred in it. So anyhow, Night of the Comet, my recommend. It's on Netflix. Watch instant. Brett? Yes. So right, what I realize reading, after this kind of buildup, you better blow our minds. Build up. No, this is not going to blow minds. But what I'm reading right now, and it's a little old and the stories in it are even older, uh, but, the Bible. Uh, but, God, you beat but me to it. You beat me to the Bible joke, Andrew. God damn you. Both, oh, Jesus. May you turn into salt. And you both crushed me on the route to the Malcolm Gladwell joke. <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, what is is it what the dog saw or what the dog sees? I haven't what read the dog the t- saw. What, what the, the dog, dog saw. saw. Excellent. Yeah. Who, excellent, who, excellent. Who let the dogs out? So, <laughs> <laughs> Wolf, there it is. So, <laughs> you you really answer it? the question of who let the dogs out. So that, and it's, uh, it's follow up the, the thong song are two of my favorites. <laughs> 
Uh, no, it's it's really actually an honest to God fascinating collection of Malcolm Gladwell e- essays, most of which he wrote for uh, the New Yorker or or uh, other. Have venues. you gotten to the one on ketchup yet? I have or gotten to the one on ketchup, but what blew my mind was actually the one about the pill, and uh, it it so shocked me that I brought it up with uh, Katie, and it's kind of it's all about. She said, "Eat these cookies that I found <laughs> yeah. laying on the counter." <laughs> so it's it's all about the the history of the pill. And its relationship to preventing ovarian cancer. And, you know, Katie works in oncology, so I thought this would be a fascinating topic. Longest, most painful argument I have ever had with my girlfriend in my life. Yeah, it it went crazy. It went straight to crazy town, but nonetheless was like a fascinating overview of the pill that made me more interested in the history of birth control. How many writers can get you interested in the history of birth control through a 20-page essay? I'm Good usually job. far more concerned about the future of birth control. <laughs> birth control. <laughs> Zing. Um, I, have, uh, I have two little mini sub-things that we will put on the, on the podcast, but it's a great way for you, listener at, at home, to spend $2 of your hard-earned money. One is... Brian's uh, brand new reformatted uh, cheats, cons, swindles, and tricks available for uh, how much? Oh, wait, was it nine hundred ninety nine dollars? Well, that's right. the value you get out of it, out of yes. free drinks over the rest of your life, and yet it'll cost you only ninety nine pennies. Okay, nine dollars and nine dollars and ninety nine cents. No, no, ninety nine cents less than a dollar. Let's. That's one point five cents per trick. What kind of dollar are we talking about? Some fancy United Canadian dollar, which is worth twenty United of our dollars, Brian. It's a United States dollar, and in fact, let's stop talking dollars because there's no dollars involved. It's just no. cents. Ninety-nine pennies, U.S. pennies. All right, so uh, I, I don't know, Brian. Brian, that sounds like Put a lot the- of money. Can I do that in three? payments of 33 cents you know what if you want i take these pennies glue them to a card put them in an envelope and mail them to you no that's the best part all you have to do is go to kindle the kindle bookstore type in brian brushwood and you'll see cheats con swindles and tricks well that's a lot for me to remember i mean is there some easy to remember website okay yeah, you like, can go, go to weirdthings.com and what look in the street show is that on? What street is that Kindle book? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, in uh, all seriousness, uh, to be honest. That's where Borders used to be because they're not there anymore. This I is, try. <laughs> this is a giant load off of my back because uh, ever since, like from day one, it's it's a small book. It's filled with a lot of great tricks, but it's a very, very short book. And I don't feel good charging a grown-up price for it because it's a, it's one that I love to give away to people. But, uh, but actually giving away a book – ends up costing me, you know, about a buck to mail it to everyone. So now instead of you know, instead of you instead of me paying a buck for you to get the book, finally you could pay a buck to get the book. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it works out great for me. Uh, so there we go. And 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 correct me if I'm wrong, this is the book that in part helped uh Scam School. Oh no, it's absolutely things, right? absolutely the book that inspired Scam School. It was like the stated objective when Scam School launched was I should take this book and essentially turn it into a video web video series. And right, that's how you got through fifty seven episodes of yeah. Scam School. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ever since then we we jumped the shark fifty seven episodes ago or <laughs> Since then, we've just literally been making things up. (laughs) Here's a way that you can control fire. (laughs) With your mind. With your brain. You had a second pick, too, though. I did. So, uh, the Public Enemy Zero audiobook. It is is eight and a half hours of of, uh, amazing, amazing literature. Of course, it was Andrew's first full-length novel. 
and uh, and I did the audiobook for it. I think we had two episodes ago. We had the uh, we had the little teaser, the prologue in the first chapter that I that I did. And if you like that, then folks, head on over to andrewmain.com slash books, and uh, you can download the full featured audiobook. Man, is it a behemoth! Uh, for only two dollars ninety nine cents. Can I uh, can I tell you something that like I like the book doesn't become real to me until I actually hear Justin do the narration, and then I pretend like it's like it's like a real book at that point. Wait, uh, yeah, first of all, it is How a real it, book. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and you, you can stop that that that. I don't know self efficacy. What do you say? False self- modesty. Yeah, false. No, modesty. it's not false. I, I really no. I really you, feel you that. Hugh Jacksonism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, I really have that low self esteem. There's nothing false about it. Uh, no, it is a real book, and it is a fantastic read. And Justin does a wonderful job, including a lot of female characters. So if you'd like to hear yes. a bearded man yes. bust out a falsetto, that's where you need to. Ride. How much is this going to set me back again, Justin Robert Young? Two dollars and ninety nine cents. Stop! Listen. That is the greatest headline I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Please repeat that. <laughs> it's two dollars and ninety nine cents for Public Enemy Zero. AndrewMain.com slash books. Go pick it up. I mean, that's like thirty three cents an hour. That's the price. To have Justin Robert Young read this to you. That's like, re- remember back when your parents would give you a quarter and you had to pick which video game you're going to play? You know, like, I want the one that I'm going to get the most enjoyment. So it's like you'd walk right past Sinistar, even though you love Sinistar's got that I live scary voice. And instead, you'll play yourself. So you're certainly not going to play Donkey Kong. You're not going to last 20 minutes on that freaking thing. But you might play Moon Patrol or Jungle Hunt because I was Centipede, man. I rocked that game. There you go, right? Here's the thing. Imagine if you had 33 cents and you could rock for an hour at a time. That is what this audiobook is like. Man, imagine if arcades accepted 33 cents. That would be awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I got really distracted. Books. Books. <laughs> Screw you, Brett. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Andrewman.com slash books. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we've learned a lot in this episode. Ah. Uh what it is i have no idea but anyhow it's been weird if you would like to sponsor this podcast please go to weirdthings.com slash sponsor to buy your listener sponsorship spot saying whatever you want for only thirty dollars (laughs) 